0: August 29 two thousand eighteen. It's a lot for Pedro show. For Pedro, show hey, people. Brother Matt is still away, grieving, lost from his nephew Maddie. It's a terrible thing. So, but I'm not exactly man alone because of the wonders of Skype and those engineers in Estonia. I got with me uh, Karen. Uh, how, how do you pronounce your last name? Just like it looks, it's Haglaw. Not very elegant, but that's what it is. Yeah, but it could be Haglof. It could be if you were in Sweden, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Hagloff, okay. I, I kind of guessed that, but I wanted you to tell me. Karen, uh, thank you for coming on the show. And
1: ah, thank love you. love your
0: new record, and I know you got another one coming kind of from the same thing, but let's yeah. go way back. Can, can you tell me your, your earl- earliest musical recollection? Yes.
2: Well, I mean, that was when I was, you know, really little. I mean, we didn't really have uh, musical instruments or anything in the house, but my mom and dad really liked music and played stuff on the stereo back then, and it was mainly things like, uh, you know, pretty, uh, I guess, uh, what you would consider standard for the day, like uh, Harry Belafonte and Leroy Anderson and Mahalia Jackson. And my father used to like to direct Victory at Sea, in the living room, you know, with the soundtrack going from uh, that show. And I guess that would be the earliest thing I remember.
0: And we're talking it's where, Minneapolis?
2: Yeah, we're, this is a suburb of Minneapolis, what's now a suburb, but back then was like unincorporated area, Burnsville, Minnesota. It was uh, farmland with a few houses dotted in the farmland.
0: Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> good place, See, good people.
2: I Minnesota, I still have
0: it. I've got some friends there going way back and uh, it's a good place I like Minnesota okay so there's no instruments in the house but your your, your parents are listeners yep okay uh, uh, can you tell me the first record you bought yourself
2: the first record I bought myself was a a 45 of the Ode to Billy Joe
0: by Bobby Gentry oh yeah I remember that (laughs) You know what, I should say what we started the show off. It was John Coltrane, this new album they found, right? The Lost Album, ah. Directions at Once, Nature Boy. And then we had, from your new record, uh, Palomino Steady Rock and Karen Hagwell. Uh, so, uh, yeah, did you buy it like at, uh, there wasn't really record stores, right? It was more like a drugstore or something? Well,
2: you know, I lived out in the farmland. There was eight houses in a cul-de-sac, and it was surrounded by pastures and woodlands. So it was like right when it was starting to be really built up, I mean, way back then in, in Burnsville. And we all had horses, and we all would, like, ride down to the corner store, which was like a little... I mean, it wouldn't even qualify as a shopping mall. There was a Tom Thumb Superette, and then there was a music store, and then there was a store that sold some records, and there was a beauty salon and a couple other random places and a gas station.
3: Okay. And
2: that was the, the closest place to go to, and we could buy records down there, you know, and go down there pretty much every day or a couple of times a week if we wanted to.
0: Yeah, but you're saying there's like five, six pads, and one's a music store, one's a record store. So that's I know, pretty it's pretty good.
2: amazing. I guess I
0: was too lucky. Because in Pedro, you actually bought the records, if it wasn't at the drugstore, like Thrifty's, they they had the records along with the school band instruments, which Ah. which brings up school. Did you play uh, music in school?
2: I played the clarinet in fifth and sixth grade and then was not good enough at the clarinet to continue on in seventh grade, so I was moved to the bass clarinet, which
0: was... uh, Eric Dolphy. If you move
2: down in chairs, you got to the bass
0: clarinet. You move down in register, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one time uh, I was doing the session with uh, the... God, who's that drummer man? A beautiful guy from Tulsa. Uh, Jim uh, Keltner. And he said he was pointing up at the frets way up high, and he goes, you know, that's the upper register. Then he pointing down the fatter strings by the nut. He says, that's a cash register. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree, Pro- yeah. Producers don't want you playing bass way up there, so I understand. <laughs> Very wise man. Uh, so so bass clarinet, Eric Dolphy, you know. Uh, you guys probably didn't do some Eric Dolphy, maybe. Uh, I don't
4: think
0: so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Were you in the marching band?
2: No, we didn't have a marching band. Okay. It was just uh, strictly, you know band
0: yeah um, kind of classical stuff
2: you know like uh, uh, we do occasional concerts for the school but nothing really much more than that uh,
0: what what about outside of school like the garage band or bedroom thing
2: well I mean that all started with uh, going down to the Superette on our horses and there being a music store down there and uh, first it was called Suburban Music and uh, you know they sold uh, guitars and amplifiers and all the kind of Looking musicians of the day used to go in there and buy equipment, and uh, you know that was definitely a magnet for uh, you know a teenage girl to go in and like try and take guitar lessons and be able to hang out there all the time. So that was kind of the first foray into actually playing some music that I wanted to play that was not a clarinet or a bass
0: clarinet. Yeah, so you move over from the clarinets to guitar.
2: Yeah, my, my brother had started taking guitar lessons down at this music store, and so I would pick up the guitar that he was using for the lessons, and then I decided I wanted to do lessons, too. And so that's where that all started.
0: Well, was it an acoustic guitar?
2: Yeah, it was a Stella.
0: Stella, a I remember that. That's Italian for star.
2: Yeah, and okay. I think the strings were about an inch off the fingerboard.
0: Oh, yeah, like uh, William Tell, uh, the bow and arrow. My first bass fun. was like that. It helps build up the muscles in your fingers. So.
2: Yeah, and and those little indents in your fingers as you're trying to do like a B flat or an F chord or something.
0: Sure, sure. What was your teacher like?
2: Um, the first teacher I had was uh, somebody who sought trickly out, saw trickly out of uh, the Mel Bay book one. I don't know. Mel Bay, you know
0: I remember Alfred's method and Mel Bay, right?
2: Uh, and then. Uh, you know, as musicians will be, you know, there was kind of a rotating group of guitar teachers because somebody would go out on tour and they'd kind of give up their their students to somebody else who was coming in. And so I would get uh, somebody who would go strictly by the book. And then the next week would be somebody who was teaching me Sloop John B. And then the next week would be somebody who was like, what do you want to learn off the radio? And it was kind of like random like that. And all of it was great.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Uh did you do any gigs? Did you get any bands
2: at this I time? Played, you know, I my best friend and I played guitar then, and we played in church. We played, you know, songs for, for church, basically, and then uh, didn't really play band-type stuff till I was, like, 17 or 18 and, you know, getting out of high school.
0: Was it, like, guitar mass kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, kind of like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and then, oh, so, father. out of high school, then you go to college. Where do you go to college? You're not a Golden Gopher, are you?
2: I was for a short time, but then, you know, I kind of graduated high school and went to University of Minnesota and realized that I had no idea what I was doing there, and so quit to play in an almost all-girl cover band that was working in the kind of five-state area around that time, which was like 1974 or 75, something like that.
0: Wow, I was still in high school.
2: I know, I'm a little older.
0: Yeah, I graduated in 76. Here, I want to play uh, Slow Stampede, Okay.
2: Okay.
4: To myself force a cheery smile and thank yous all the while trying to eyes graciously as if that could ever be. sell I got the rain
0: not walk in fear one of another we will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason if we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men not from men who feared to write to speak to associate and defend causes that were for the moment unpopular Pete Show, yeah, that was uh, oops, that was off a uh, new uh, uh EP, carried H- hive off with the uh, slow stampede, then Band of Susans, which we're gonna get to how that happened, right? Yeah. Big Apple Adventure, and then uh, from Macedonia 21 Vec Nova Sons, uh, Pontin Pontin Ha Du Capeta. From Hermes de Limbo. Yeah, my Portuguese very shitty. Uh, so brand Brandon from Eugene Chaburn. The Sun Watchers. Ghost Spiel. Eskabibel out of Buff Town. Tatum. Guided by Voices. <laughs> Mr. Pollard. <laughs> many, many songs. Table at Fool's Tooth. Named the band out of, uh, yeah, Brazil. Makes sense and uh, Round Eye some low eyes living in Shanghai we'll wait and see and finally Karen off with uh, Cobwebs from uh, yeah her work so so uh, you want to leave uh yeah you don't want to go to school in Minnesota you want to go east
2: yeah I didn't think of I couldn't think of anything I wanted to graduate and follow up with so I played and cover bands and then kind of started hanging around the Minneapolis scene the Longhorn scene with the Suicide Commandos and uh, you know that whole crew and then uh, that led to a move east in about 1979
0: oh yeah Tim Wright yeah Perubus whenever I think of the Suicide because they both had those records out yeah and I met those guys Steve McClellan the First Avenue mm-hmm. beautiful people yeah old days older days and so okay you in fact i know there was a strong cleveland connection but i guess there was some minnesota too longer drive of course
2: yeah a little bit longer, <laughs> a little bit longer.
0: and uh so what was it like moving to new york city we're talking what late 70s early 80s
2: yeah, 70, first, th- first time I came to New York was uh, spring of 79 and definitely realized that this is the place where I wanted to live, and so our band, The Crackers, moved out here in the summer of 79, uh, intent on, you know, trying to make our way as musicians out here at that point, point. and uh, it was a hot, blazing summer, kind of like it is today here, but uh, uh yeah, i never wanted to live any place
0: but New York after I got here. And we're not talking Brooklyn people in those days. It was strictly Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, East
2: Village,
0: baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Hell told me about moving there in 1970. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Or you read the uh, the Victor Bachris book about Lou Reed. Now, sometimes the landlord, you know, was 12 bucks a month, and sometimes he didn't even come around.
2: Yeah, that is kind of
0: true yeah. yeah Lower East Side so I imagine but very creative thing so uh, where was their place for the crackers that's a, that's a Minnesota name <laughs> yeah, it definitely is <laughs> yeah. okay where were where, where you guys playing
2: we were playing that we we played at tier three we played at uh, the peppermint Lounge we played I don't think we got to play at CVs we might have played at CBG's we played out at Hoboken. Um, we did some touring up and down the East Coast here, and then, you know, things just kind of disintegrated a little bit, and it was on to other...
0: Did Crackers ever record, records. Karen? Huh? Crackers ever record?
2: Yeah, we have a, an EP called Sir Crackers, which uh, has four songs by uh, Steve Almas, who was the main driving person
0: in the band. Well, Steve, he's involved with this new stuff. Yeah, he is. He's producing any, oh, yeah, but also the bass. Yeah, well, of course. The bass <laughs> bass first, for, then produce. Like, okay, that's neat. <laughs> no, I'm a little biased, Karen. I'm sorry. But all these years you've stayed with, Oh, that's bitching. Yeah. That's truly well, I bitching.
2: I contact all these years, but when I decided to start playing again and thinking about making projects, I knew he would be the right person to talk to about trying to figure out my way through after not doing anything for so many years.
0: Okay. Okay, so... Uh, the Crackers Packet, you start, uh, you find Reese Chatham?
2: Yeah, the Crackers kind of packed it in, and uh, I played with uh, an artist, Robert Longo, on uh, a couple of his music projects. And then through um, this guy, Tim Carr, a Minnesota guy who was an A&R person, uh, I met Reese Chatham and uh, ended up playing in his ensemble.
0: Yeah, I gotta tell uh, listeners out there, in those days, uh, between music and visual and just all kinds of expression was kind of mixed. You met all kinds of people, right? It wasn't as divided up like now. No, nowadays. not at all. Yeah. Not... So now I know about Reese because uh, uh, actually in a parallel universe was, a, was Glenn Brake also. Yeah,
2: yep.
0: Right, and I guess... and
2: the Reese people and a few people played with both kind of uh, composers and I was in the Reese...
0: Kind of side of things, right? Right. Whereas, like, thirst was more Mr. Branca. And it's it's, yeah. it's it's interesting how they both were kind of onto the same thing, but from different places. Isn't yeah,
2: completely different methods. You know, yeah, but yeah, same same kind of uh,
0: vision. I think. Yeah, the idea that a serious you know composing could involve the electric guitar. hmm And lots of them. <laughs>
2: lots of lots,
0: and lots of and lots of notes and very dense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very dense <laughs> so so interesting so, so so tell me what those kind of uh, compare to playing you know in Minnesota and the crackers and cover bands and i mean you're there with uh, like avant-garde
2: there
0: with what sorry kind of avant-garde right compared yeah, to what, yeah. where you had been so was it a stretch for you
2: well, I guess it must have been a little bit of a stretch, although when we were playing the cover band, I mean, we didn't play like the, I mean, the the almost all-girl cover band I played in. We played kind of, you know, unusual stuff for the day. We played some Iggy and the Stooges, and we played some MC5, and then we would do Leader of the Pack, and then we'd do some Led Zeppelin, so we were a little all Oh, so was it
0: wasn't really top 40. Yeah,
2: okay. but not strictly, and then we tried to do a little writing on our own, which didn't really go too far. And then, uh, you know, with the Crackers, I mean, if I listened to old stuff from the Crackers back in Minnesota, I was definitely more like a Chuck Berry kind of coming out of that school. And Then when we got to New York, it definitely became more dissonant. I don't know if it was just the location, but it seemed to change the way I played. So I don't know if it was... Something that was going to happen in any case, kind of moving into more avant-garde and sometimes sometimes atonal and stuff, and uh, not so strictly kind of top forty or song related.
0: Yeah, well, I'm interested. Uh, how did Reese run the band?
2: Reese, well, I mean, he's the composer, so yeah. you know, be basically uh, a lot of things we did were in were in alternate tunings, and so we have specific tunings, and uh, he would score out the music, and I would have my You know, soprano guitar score, and then there would be somebody who would have like more of an alto, and then there would be the bass players. And it was all, you know, written down and and in scores. But then there would be sections where, you know, when you see fit, change to what you feel like playing, kind of thing. So there was definitely room to uh, explore within the genre. But, you know, Reese was definitely the composer and the director of all.
0: Right, and this was kind of new for you, right, Com- uh, compared to your other band experiences?
2: Yeah, 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 pretty much. But I really, really liked it, and I liked doing that stuff. Yeah, so sure, sure. And I would sort have of gravitated toward it in any case, I think.
0: And at this time, to support yourself, you were cooking?
2: I was cooking. I was cooking in uh, little places in the East Village here. Um, you know, there was a place called Gallery 93, which then became called White Wave, and I played. I cooked at Eat at Eleven St Marks, and then got into the Great Jones Cafe on Bowery and Lafayette, which was here until very recently.
0: Yeah, right. I remember that, Pat. Yeah. Now, now were you cooking earlier? Well, you had home ec or something.
2: No, well, yeah, home ec, and then you know, <laughs> mom, my mom worked, and so I was kind of the—that uh, was part of my allowance.
0: Cooking at <laughs> home. Okay, okay. So you, you had oh. learned. Okay.
2: I'd done some baking and cooking at home, but uh, getting to New York, I basically, you know, kind of talked my way into a waitress job that I hated, and then a cook quit one day, and I said, I can do that. Let me cook. I'll cook. And
3: that's where that came
0: from. You know, because I washed pots and pans when I was younger at a hospital, and one of the benefits was you could eat the chow before <laughs> it went down. <laughs> that be
2: benefit, yeah. Yeah, I didn't didn't buy any food in those years. Yeah, you
0: know what I mean. When you're behind the scenes, it's a little. The waitress and maybe not as easy. Both my sisters did that to put themselves through school. But behind the scenes, you can kind of. Yeah, you can kind of live off. of it.
2: Yeah, no, you can you can eat quite well. You can eat a very varied and you know well proportioned diet behind the scenes if you want. Did
0: you you get to record with Mr. Chan?
2: I did. I, we played. In, there was a recording of Der Under which is. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Under gods, that was. I'm on that one, and I think I'm on something called *Drastic Classicism* as well.
0: Okay, now that worked itself out, and what led to after that?
2: After Reese. Yeah. Well, that's, and it was with playing with Reese that I met a lot of the people who were playing Band of Susans. Oh,
0: so, Robert Poss, I had him on the Robert show last Posse month, and yeah, Susan
2: okay. Stinger, and then Ron Spitzer, who were kind of the nicest for the Band of Susans, and at that time there were actually three Susans, but two of the Susans were in flux, and I ended up replacing a Susan at one point, point. so I segued from Reese's band into Band of Susans.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, because Robert Poss kind of, yeah, there's overlap, but between people and the different projects. I, yeah. Because I had him on last month, and he, he taught me a lot about that time. That, uh, we're talking, like, about the mid-'80s. Yeah, probably
2: mid-to-late-'80s, mid
0: early-'90s, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, God, I knew the the boss. Uh, not the boss, but the manager. Uh, Smith. Uh, oh, Paul Smith. Paul Smith, yeah. Blast First. Yeah, Blast
2: First,
0: yeah. Right. Or
2: England. We had, we
0: because I made a, a project with... Uh, Thirst called us uh, Chicone Youth, and uh, he had something to do with it. It's a, it's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiny world, surprisingly enough. I know. Incredible. Uh, uh, we're at the end of the first hour, uh, August 29, 2018 edition of the Wat from Pedro Show. Uh, special guest, Karen Hagluff. Hold tight for hour two. August 29, 2018 is the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
4: Cowboy singer I once knew taught me this simple song. I'd like to play it now for you in hope to pass it on. Whoa, whoa, whoa cowboys come and cowboys go. whoa, whoa. But horses are historical Snakebite was part Mustang, quarter horse, and appaloose. Strong and serving, self preserving, spirit of cayuse. Cowhand Jack, young and brash, thought he knew it all. He won snakebite one stormy night on a lucky draw. Well, Jack bragged up his riding skills and womanizing too his daughter, did not approve, had in mind to teach a lesson, came up with a dare, challenged Jack on snakebite against her and her brown mare, oh the devil's call, where take all horizon, snakebite first but riderless Lindsay's second, still astride. Jack limped up the neck crowd proclaiming Lindsay winner, Jack still in a daze, Lindsay took both horses and sent them off to gray she said whoa whoa, whoa. cowboys come and cowboys go whoa are historical Cowboy singer I once knew Sings no more today Time and tide wait for no man And Ray has passed away Lindsay rides on snakebite now In the rodeo Jack left town shortly after His disgraceful show Laugh as Lindsay, to be fair Though she wouldn't give back Snakebite let Jack take her mare And a year after the race That brown mare dropped a fold With Snakebite's face Snakebite 2, I count on you Replay Snakebite 1 Replay Snakebite 1 go, whoa, whoa, good horses are historical, whoa, whoa, cowboys come and cowboys go, whoa, 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 good horses are historical, good horses are historical.
5: canty cantichy all canty and fake housey The fairies like a monkey whale and they built him a ma we and when the hoosey it was built all finished but the door the fairy man came a skipping in and danced upon the floor he looped up. And he lopetun, he frisket and he flung Till perwy Tammy Taddle was malmaced among the throng Tammy Taddle, is a canty shield, say canty and say The fairies like a monkey whale and they built him a wee horsey
3: There is nothing to do. All for me.
6: pigeons i've got a broken window in my bathroom not to be confused with the five other broken windows spread out around the house this one's always been a favorite nesting spot for the local rats with wings again this year some unimaginative hen went for the obvious and did the whole ritual built a huge nest etc an awful lot of trouble for just one lousy egg when the little darling hatched the mother and some random father male fussed and cooed Much too much attention for good normal birdle development, I thought. Baby grew and so far so standard, right? Wrong. Because as soon as little Waldo was ready to become a man, came the catch. Waldo refused to learn to fly. No amount of gang pigeon community action could get him to take the plunge, either into the air shaft, hardly formidable from the first floor, but I don't know, I'm not a bird, or to make for blue sky. They even tried pecking him off the windowsill, cackling, Come on, grow up, grow up, grow up. Nothing. Mama had to keep bringing him food, which must have been embarrassing, since Junior was now as big as she was. Finally, she said to hell with him and stopped the catering service, too. But Junior is still there. Mom is long gone. How or what he's eating, I don't know. But that bird is not moving.
4: If I could dress like a cowgirl every day If I could give up some of my simplified ways If I could rest my head upon your shoulder Oh, if I were just a little
0: For Pedro, shall we start off the second hour with uh, Snake Bite 2? That's the number, not also Karen Hagloff. Then, uh, St- out of Glasgow, still house plants. Sade, they'd be doing something with them in February. Somebody, Scottish guys, but they're doing something in London with the Cafe Otto, which means sound, huh? Uh, Quinny with Tammy Toady. T- Tammy Total, which is uh, an older singer they work with. The Extract out of Canada with Dead Letters. i got to record a vocal from that. Yeah. Chris Butler out of Akron, Ohio with Pigeons. And finally Karen Hogwoff with Cowgirl Clothes. See, that's from there, right? Uh, so, Band of Susans, what, to the late 80s? Um, I
2: guess I joined them in probably like, uh, I'm gonna say '88, something like that, and then uh, I stopped playing
0: music in the early '90s. To okay, that's what I wanted to get to. Completely, yeah. People, you <laughs> got to understand, Karen. She scissored music to study medicine. That I did. Okay, what was that like?
2: Well, it was. It was definitely. Uh, there were some some things that were the same, and some of them were different. I mean, I'd always played in. Or sorry, played in bands and worked in restaurants and all of those are like, you know, they're 24-7 kind of deals and you're working holidays and you're working where other people aren't and medicine is a lot like that, so on the kind of nuts and bolts side, you can kind of see some similarities, but, you know, there's definitely a different level of kind of um, intellectual kind of, uh, you know, intellectual... Uh, investment in, in playing or in, in working in medicine and trying
0: to get into that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in both endeavors, you practice.
2: Yeah. Yes, you do. You know,
0: I've yet to see a basketball player say, hey, I'm going down the hoops and rehearse some shots. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's wrong with the word practice? Anyway, uh, I think it goes back to a probably praxis on uh, an older word. But, uh, you know, you had been playing since a girl music, and just to completely let it go. Yeah,
2: well, you know, I was like mid-30s. I guess I was like 33 or 34, and I was working in the restaurants, and I was like thinking, boy, you know, I like doing this now, but in 10, 15 years, am I going to like doing this so well? And I kind of didn't think so, and I thought, well, maybe it's time for me to think about what might be next down the road, and that Led back to actually finishing a college degree, and that's where you know, the kind of the medical interest came from. And I, you know, couldn't think of any reason why I shouldn't try to do it, and uh, I was successful getting in, and, and here I am. So
0: yeah, oncology, yeah, which cancer, is cancer, blood. shit. Yeah, it's killed so many of my friends, all, my pop, <laughs> all my grandparents. It's such I a know. fucked up thing. It is it's terrible. Yeah, it's really Especially terrible. Especially this this pancreatic one, man. It kills people so quick. Pancreatic lost, yeah, we lost Tony from the Dills. You know, like a month.
2: Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, some of them are just really deadly, very very quickly, and then others you can actually do something about, and others you can actually cure. And that's where you can. Really... Can I
0: ask you a little opinion? Yeah. Because I think in the old days, like maybe, because little kids are born with it, right? Yes. So obviously it's not an environment thing unless it's on their parents. But do you think it's switched over from uh, you being born with and then uh, this environment stuff?
2: Well, I think there's always an interplay of it. I okay. mean, I think there's a lot of genetic uh, probably predispositions that we don't even know about yet. Sure. And then depending on the, the environmental kind of cues and stresses, you know, some genes get turned on, some genes get turned off, and there may be a predisposition. And uh, some things you acquire genetically through your lifetime. And, yeah, there are definitely certain, you know, substances, you know, asbestos or benzene, things like that, that are definitely carcinogenic. So um, there's a combination of different factors.
0: Yeah, like most things, it's complicated. I want to play Tornado here. Okay. Something live. Thank you very much.
7: Was thinking this part could be, this music could be for when Duber jumps his bike over the creek after he quits his job at the donut shop that puts ice cream on the donuts um, to That's combo donut ice cream shop called Donuts All a Mode and he flips his boss the Bird and uh, takes off on his bike and this is, this music's up jumping the creek and feeling super free but for a while (laughs) so he ends up working at his uncle's machine shop that summer using learning how to use a cnc lathe and that's a lot better than making uh donuts and then with ice cream because it's not a combination that that many people actually like. So I haven't really gotten past this part. I know that he's working at his his uncle's machine shop and living in a trailer behind their house and maybe he's going to learn to play the electric guitar.
4: With a super-powered skater, rolling around the track, jamming blockers like the wind and never coming back, couldn't be doing better with a first-rate provider, with a gear and a person beside her who understands her. This is the 608 passion. We will blaze on to success with the skates you want and the padding of the best. Wise help and choices with all of the rest. When you want the best, come to the one who has known it, one who has the power to be first-rate. One who has the time to feel and relate. This 08 skate will make you feel alright, down and dirty. Lady to skate mean. Try out our gear and the skates for the fast track
3: scene. You wanna
1: On morning, and in the field, like a
3: bunch
1: out of the breach, the to Just another Clement. Go the street. Get someone to it again. go touch Nothing is in. We're stuck with to you. Suddenly, just by the hour. If you if you what you you through the week. You're so sensitive, 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 sensitive,
3: Ah!
0: Pedro Show. Yeah, we started off tornado something live from the Karen Hagloff Band. And was that the name of the band? That's the name we came up with. Okay, okay. And then Ginferno out of Spain with uh, Creepy Cloud, Dan Jones, Kansas City, Missouri. Duber feeling free for a while. Missing with uh, Darkest Bravest, The Healer's Illinois. Yeah, I can't remember where Missing's from. I'm missing that information. Chemistry and Circumstance. Uh, two backs out of Italy with Chicago. Chicagoan. <laughs> Italianos know how to call somebody from Chicago a Chicagoan, huh? Part two. And that's trippy. It ends with a bunch of farm sounds. But, you <laughs> know. Uh, Joe Brewer out of Madison, Wisconsin, 608 Skate, and Hit Priest from here in SoCal, Strong Beach, a bad customer. And finally, Karen Hagloff band again, probably from the same gig, with Trouble. Uh, so, while you're going to school, no yeah. music, because you want to focus, right?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Not even hey. downtime. Well, you know, medicine, that that is an incredible amount of focus. You need to do that. So, much respect. So, I i don't blame you for putting it down. Pretty intensive at the time, yeah. What, what what was that? It was pretty intensive at the time, especially med school, and,
2: you know, trying to learn everything and master it and not fail anything and get through and get a residency and all that kind right.
0: of stuff. Right, and, and live in that area.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, nowadays it's... Jesus Christ, but I can, maybe more, a little more econo then, but I can, yeah, I'm going to learn medicine in Manhattan, you know, (laughs) okay, but much respect for you to do that, truly. true, uh, uh, then what, what changed? Well, you got your degree, you got your practice. I my
2: degree, I went to Florida, I was in Gainesville, Florida for about three years doing my residency, so learning how to actually be a doctor, you know, Gators. The
0: Gators. Gainesville,
2: go Gators. <laughs> and uh, then got my fellowship in hematology and oncology back up in New York at NYU.
3: Right. And,
2: and that's all study, study, but at least, you know, you're kind of, you're actually practicing medicine, and, uh, And then I've been, you know, kind of an attending doctor, meaning somebody who is deemed competent to work on their own since about, I don't know, 2004, 2005, something like that.
0: So when do you you decide that I want to get back into music? Into music?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't played since like probably, I'm going to say 1998. And then that movie, uh, you probably saw it, It Might Get Loud came out. Oh, yeah. And I saw that the first weekend it came out here in in, uh, East Village in the Sunshine Theater. And uh, there was all these clips of Jimmy Page and and Jack White and The Edge. And I was like, crap, I play the guitar. Why am I playing the guitar? This looks awesome.
3: And
0: uh,
2: that's where it kind of started back again.
0: It was those three guys. So we got to give credit.
2: Yeah, I okay. know. I mean, you know, Jimmy Page, I remembered from back then. And uh, because I'd been away from things so long, I mean, of course I knew about The Edge, but Jack White was like, somebody was like, what? Who the heck is this? I've you know, the first
0: from- time I met him, he was playing drums in kind of a haha band called Goober and the Peas. He was ma- yeah. still a teenager. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's trippy. Uh, yeah, he told me, I remember talking with him. He said he did a poster at his pop's uh, poster shop. So Uh, you still had your stuff. You still had your guitars and your amps. I was
2: one of those people that didn't didn't get rid of their gear. So I had my Les Paul, I had a Jazzmaster and a Jaguar, and I just pulled them out and started to try and... I got out Mel Bay book one, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I said, like, okay, let's start at the beginning and see what we can come up with. I'm
0: curious, what were your fingers like? Were they, like, all... uh,
2: it's amazing. I you mean, know, I was pretty, I was really pretty rough for sure. And then, uh, but it's amazing stuff that comes back. I mean, I can remember, you know, kind of chord progressions that I made up when I was 15 and they came all back after a while. So it's, 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 uh, it's kind of amazing what your fingers, what your muscle memory will do.
0: Yeah. I saw it happen with James Williamson. He hadn't played in like 30 years and then all that Rob power, you know, for yeah. the, the, the reunited band. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think if you got your own thing, that it's still there. If you if you if you, you you coax it back, I mean, it takes some work and stuff.
2: But yeah, no, it definitely really does. It definitely takes some work. And then I started, you know, finding, I wanted to do finger-picking stuff. I'd been going out west to, like, ride horses, and I'd hang around the campfire and see all these kind of cowboy singers. And I was like, well, maybe I could do that. I mean, I don't think I'd be in a band again, but I thought, well, maybe I can just amuse myself and other people playing kind of like parlor guitar you know, just uh, finger-picking and, you know, playing some songs. And that's kind of where I started to write again and uh, then contacted Steve Almus and said, hey, I have these things, maybe you'd help me figure out where to take them. And that's, you know,
0: and, and here we are. <laughs> that's really happening. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, August 29, 2018 edition of the Wild from Pedro show. Hold time for hour three. August 29, 2018, it's the third hour the Watt for Pete Rose Show.
7: Jody with the abscesses left another voicemail message. Jody with the abscesses, her daddy's the boss. Jody with the abscesses left another voicemail message. Jody with the abscesses, her daddy's the boss.
0: for Pedro show. We started the third hour off with Monday Under My Belt. Karen Hagloff. Then uh, some stuff from Pedro here. This uh, label, Water Under the Bridge. Uh, Lady Hump with Kool-Aid. Some live plebes, Yeah, from middle 80s. Huh? No Way to Find It. Rats in the Louvre. They're more new. Rob, Rah Replica. Then we had uh, from upstate New York. Uh, bird perverts and Jody and then endless court uh, contortionists I think we're out of here I think they're living back east now Ushida movement one Ushida's a off-ramp people and then uh, Italiano and Karen Hagloff finally with Seesaw so uh, yeah with you and your old buddy you start making some records let's talk about this EP though yeah yeah, because the, all four tunes are about horses, right? They are.
2: They are about horses.
0: Yeah, so tell me about the, yeah, the, the German A. Because you already had, you did already come back record, the uh, Grace and Perseverance. Actually, there's a record before that too, right?
2: Yeah, Western Holiday was the first one. Western that, Holiday. That, uh, Perseverance and Grace, and now I've got this EP that I just put out, and then there's something coming up after
0: this one, too. And you would say all four of these records are kind of connected, right?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, I guess it's because it's all mainly stuff I've written, and it's about my experiences and, you know, life and love and death and cancer and horses and, you know, things I think about. So, yeah, I guess it's all me.
0: And what about horses?
2: I love horses. I've loved them since I was, you know...
0: Because you grew up with them, right? You rode them into town, right?
2: And uh, rode them down to the music store. To the music store. That kind of stuff. You so, ever play guitar while riding on a horse? I have not done that yet. I'm afraid it would spook <laughs> a horse and I'd be off that horse in a minute.
0: But what, what's his name? Uh, Gene Autry, right? Yeah. He, the yeah. singing cowboy, right? Yeah. think <laughs> he, he Roy it. Rogers rode a horse with yeah, the Yeah, Roy Rogers did too. But Gene Autry was really the, the idea of the singing cowboy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, he's got a lot to do with, I think, how country music is kind of perceived because it's much different before him. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? A uh, friend of Richard Miller. Nick Toshes. He wrote a book about twisted roots. Hmm. Country. Yeah, and it's interesting about this. But anyway... Uh, so you, you you deemed horses uh, important enough to tune to, to a record about, yeah.
2: You know, it just turns out that they were. <laughs> you know, I, I wrote one Ode to Bon Jovi because this horse, Bon Jovi, threw me off a couple of times. And that seemed like he needed a song written about him for that. And
3: wow.
0: Is it scary getting thrown from a horse? Christ. I know Liz <laughs> Taylor, she got really hurt by that when she was younger. It hurt her, her whole life.
2: yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky. I've been off. I've been booted off or fallen off a few times and never been hurt too badly. So it hasn't uh, deterred me from riding or wanting to ride. So I guess I'm lucky that way.
0: You think from the horse's persona or maybe the situation?
2: Um. Yeah, probably situation. And I mean, like the one time I went off a of Bon Jovi, I was not paying attention. The other time we were just kind of going around a reckless curve. So, you know, two different reasons for, you know, the same outcome of me being off a horse. But uh, one probably more my fault than, than his. is. They're both my fault. If I go off, it's my fault.
0: Okay. Riding a horse, though, ain't like jumping in a car. There has to be a connect, right?
2: No, there does, and the and the horse, you know, they know if if you're afraid or if you, you know, have any kind of trepidation, they will know it, and some of them will take advantage of it, and some of, will, some of them some will take care of you on it. So, um, yeah, you definitely. It's not like getting on a motorbike. They have their own little brain and their own little way of thinking that things are scary that you realize are not scary at all, and uh, you just have to be aware
0: of it if you. What about between uh, stallion and mare? What is there a difference in the sexes, stallion, mare, uh, riding a woman or riding a man? Well, I mean, most of the horses that you know you
2: ride at, like a ranch or something like that, are are not intact stallions; they're gelded, so sure, they are sure, not sure. able to, you know, bear any fruit or anything like that, and they tend to be. Probably a little bit more manageable. One of the ranches I ride at will not have mares because they're too unpredictable and sometimes they're a little bossy and bitchy. And uh, I think they probably are. I'll probably get some crap on that, but I think it's probably true.
0: So you say the best ride is a neutered male?
4: <laughs> that's, that's probably the most. I would say that's probably the most
2: predictable. Ride. Okay.
0: I want to play Steel Blue Hills here.
2: Okay.
0: Dr. Pedro show last music for this edition Karen hagloff with steel Blue Hills. What, what what are the steel blue hills
2: they are the Bradshaw mountains in Arizona and oh
0: I, okay yeah okay
2: got uh, they're, they're you know I ride in, in Wickenburg which has a lot of dude ranches and sure sure you can see them all in the distance
0: sure beautiful uh, country yeah then from gorgeous. Beijing we had the top four circus with ride to death Oswald Dovey out of Czech Republic Evening, Moldovan out of Balmore, Moxica, Max, number one, Patrick Grant with Shapes, number two, Echo Test, Out of Philly with a Pleasant Fortune, no, Pleasant Torture, <laughs> not Fortune, what, my eyes, and then finally, Ode Bon Jovi, Karen Hoglough, people, this is the horse, not the band, dude. Definitely,
2: yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> Speaking of which, China, it was a town called Wuxi. You know, first time I got to play there was about a year and a half ago. And there was some, uh, the pad we were playing, Nolo wise, it was all Chinese. And uh, we had to go on after a, a live movie of a Bon Jovi gig played oh, wow. all the way through twice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the screen was like 80 feet tall, 70 feet tall. yeah that was um yeah here I, I remember one of uh, you, you, you shit the sheets there is no shame you give incontinence a bad name or something <laughs> You piss the sheets or something. Uh what's what's that and obviously the the EP just came out a couple of days ago, right?
2: Not quite out yet. It'll be out, like, within the week. Oh, because
0: Howard told me the 24th. Okay.
2: Oh, no. 7th.
0: Okay. The 7th? Yeah. Of September. Okay, okay. And where can people (laughs) find you on the Internet? Pardon me? Your presence on the Internet, Karen. How do they find you?
2: They would find me, uh, well, I have a website, KarenHagloff.com, and I'm That's all
0: over Instagram. That's Right, just one F. Yeah, just one F, people.
2: Yeah, and then, of course, there's always Facebook, and then, of course, my favorite, Instagram. Instagram.
0: And all under my name like that. And no shitter? Hmm? Just instant ham and fake look, no shitter? No. Okay. But that's enough. And also you got your own webpage. So that's like your fanzine people. So you can get this now. There's a little period in between this four song EP and then a real album. Yes. Okay. In the meantime, are you gonna tour this?
2: No, I've loved it but it's kinda hard with my job.
0: Yeah. So I understand. I've
2: played a couple of gigs I played on Sunday night doing like a songwriter thing at a local bar here. Um, doing some of these songs in kind of a more acoustic setting. I would love to try and put something together, but, you know, that takes a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts that need
0: to get kind of yeah, Absolutely, I understand. Uh, so so the you, the renditions you're doing of these tunes is like Woman Alone, just you an acoustic? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, because obviously the stuff on the records, there's bands and, uh, yeah. yeah. You were saying something, you like a deep bass. Hmm? You like deep bass. I
2: do like deep, yeah. heavy bass. Which you know, well, look, if somebody asks you, you help, for advice. It's like, is there enough bass there? And it's like, there's enough
0: bass there, Karen. Okay. If, if somebody a little bit younger, or just getting into this, asks you for advice, because your journey is very uh, uh, unique, well, like everybody's is actually. Yeah. What would you tell them, Karen? Well, I, I guess I would tell
2: them to just, just gotta kind of follow what your gut tells you to do I mean just gotta do what makes you happy basically
0: that's I think that's great advice <laughs> there's,
2: there's no magic
0: there's no Right, magic. right. and if you quit you can always come back well
2: there's that too I mean there's no set order you have to do things in I mean obviously if you want to be a A pop star, you're probably better off doing it when you're 20 or 19. But uh, you can still play music you want to play when you're, you know, elderly like myself.
0: No, just less younger. Yeah, less young. That's better. (laughs) Yeah, that reminds me of this lyric by the pop group you say in pop. uh, There's a song called "We Are Time" and uh, Mark Stewart says, "No sequence to follow, no fear of tomorrow."
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. I want I want to thank you so much for being on the show, show. Truly, Karen, it's a great honor to have you aboard. Well, it was a great honor to be here. I really appreciate you letting okay. me come on. And when the new album comes out, please have Howard flow because I would love to play it.
2: I will definitely do that. Thank okay,
0: you. Okay, no problem. And keep on keeping on, okay? Definitely, you too. Okay, I promise I will. <laughs> People, it's August 29, 2018 edition of Wild for Pedro. show special guest Karen Hagloff. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>